Hey guys, this week we're coming to you with a totally different type of show than normal. I recently saw a documentary on Facebook put out by Bark.us. It's an app that you can download to your kid's phone to help keep them safe in the social media world. I invited Becca to come on and talk about the dangers that are present and how we can keep our kids safe. And I really believe that if you have any kind of kid, whether it's a bio kid, a foster kid, a step kid, uh, an adopted kid, it doesn't matter. We live in a different world than what we grew up in, and we need to make sure we're keeping our kids safe here. I also wanted to make sure I told you that this is not a paid endorsement. Bark is not paying me anything for this. This was something that I just felt was very important, and we wanted to get this out to you guys. We normally set on our episodes for a few weeks just to keep a little bit of a stockpile in the background, but this one was important enough. I want to get it out now. Plus, there's also a piece in here where she talks about a potential price change and how to get yourself grandfathered in if you're interested in using it. I highly recommend you listen to this episode so that if nothing else, you can be better informed about the dangers that are out there. I hope you enjoy it. Foster care in on Bella Jenny. With Jason and Amanda, where our mission is to provide strength for the weakest among us. Here we like to talk about foster care and adoption. We tell stories about bio parents, foster parents and foster kids, adoptive parents and adoptive kids, caseworkers, and whoever else can inspire action and encourage understanding of the journey that we and so many others are on. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or any of the major platforms. You can also find us at jasonmpalmer.com. Want to engage with us on our Facebook group? Find the group or page at Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey or Facebook.com slash 7 Time Dad. That's a number 7 Time Dad. Welcome back to Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey with Jason and Amanda. Today we are here with Becca Dominguez from Bark.us. Bark helps protect more than 5 million kids across the U.S. and has alerted parents to tens of millions of potential issues. In 2019, they detected 7.3 million-plus instances of cyberbullying, 540,000-plus instances of self-harm or suicidal ideation, and 450 child conversations with sexual predators. To date, Bark has also helped prevent 16 school shootings and offers free content monitoring for more than 1,900 schools and districts nationwide. How are you doing today, Becca? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. It's great to have you here. You know, we do foster care, and we primarily deal with younger kids in our house. Just because that's my wheelhouse is three-year-olds, ask Amanda. I can get on the floor and be a three-year-old like that. You are good at being a three-year-old. As a matter of fact, there may be one of those cool little car mats laying on the floor right over there where we yes. take the Hot Wheels and run around to the police station and then to the <laughs> park. And yeah, yeah, I'm great with that. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've only had one teen in our house so far as far as uh, foster kids. Okay. But I do know some people who've had lots of teens. As a matter of fact, one of the people in our county, Kathy, she is just... She thinks we're amazing for taking the little ones, and I think she's crazy because she's done nothing but help teens. She's She's got just a heart for it, right? And with a four-year-old, I don't have to worry too much about social sure. media. You know, that my four-year-old would look at it and push buttons until he, you know, until he killed it more or less. He, he could care less. But with well, a 14-year-old, yeah, with a 14-year-old, then I have one of those that's not a foster kid, a bio kid, not a bio kid. An adopted kid. I'll get it straight. I get them all mixed up. They're all kids, right? <laughs> They're just our kids. And, and we have a 12 year old daughter and a 14 year old son that are living in the house right now. And I and they are mad at me because apparently we are abusive parents because I do not have them with a cell phone yet. <laughs> a tough life, isn't it? I'm telling you. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Well, and to them it is because everybody has a cell phone. All their friends, everybody sure. in school, you know, everybody has it, mom. You guys just, you need to get over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to get over it, and we need to get over the bill too, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All that aside, even our six-year-old was has asked, you know, well, so and so has a phone. This guy, and he's a kindergartner, and I'm wow. I'm just blown away. And and the thing is, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording here, and you know, I know the dangers of social media, 
because I have I've seen it myself. You know, I had the I had started a profile for our our website here and, and our, our podcast and I had started a profile on Snapchat and it took me less than two days to get an unsolicited, unsolicited picture of a penis sent to me. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm a forty two year old dude and my my, my my tag on there is like foster care UJ or something like that. Who was sending that kind of stuff to me? Yeah. I mean not going to lie, my thought was, hey, I should go figure out who this is and have a conversation with them. But it's a worldwide thing, as you well know. You know? Yeah, and, right. you know, I had just a couple weeks ago seen the documentary that, that Mark produced with uh, with Rue, and that really just shocked me. Can you talk about, about the, you know, the effects that has when people finally have an opportunity to see what the real dangers are? Because that's what blew my mind. This is yeah. not like a drama set up. Yeah just for attention this is this is real life this is exactly what happens yeah that's right i i mean i think that the easiest way to speak to it is to start with me in that you know i work for bark i know that these things are going online um on online and um and even for me it was really uh, a shocking experience to watch that documentary and likewise you know we had a lot of feedback from people that um, it's really eye-opening, and there, there's no way that you can watch that and not be a little shaken by how prevalent it is, by how young the persona was, um, you know, by the fact that this is an, this was an 11 year old persona, and had uh, people soliciting with in less than 24 hours. So I think for all of us, it was a very sobering. Um, moment to see the results of that project and to be right there on the front lines, realizing it was even more prevalent than we had initially thought. Absolutely. You know, and I, I don't know who all you know, if you know all the people that were involved in them, but, you know, please let them know we appreciate them bringing that out because a lot of people I know have seen that and yeah. it opened a lot of people's eyes to the dangers that are really out there. You know, I have a little bit of inside information. My, I have a, a family member who works in IT security stuff. Um, you know, she's keen on the dark web and knows all that stuff. And, you know, if you don't know what the dark web is, you might be better off not knowing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I'd a scary I'd say don't place. go there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's where a lot of this stuff ends up, you know. That's right. Things yeah. get bought and sold and traded there and. And there's all mm-hmm. kinds of stories of, of, you know, kids being being kidnapped and, and sold into the the sex trades. And, and there's a lot of stuff that happens in that place that we don't realize just how deep and dark that really is. It's the wild, wild west. There's not a it whole. Is. Yeah, there's there's no real regulation on it because it it's just the nature of it makes it difficult to regulate. That's right. I mean, anytime that you have uh, something that you're sending that's disappearing. Um, it's, it's very challenging outside of the creators of that platform, um, taking some action to regulate, to do, to, to do any kind of regulation. And, um, I think one of the things too, that parents, um, are, I think starting to become aware of is that age old, I don't know if you guys did this when you're growing up, but you know, your parents ask you not to do something or watch a certain show. And the first thing you do when you go to a friend's house, right, is watch that show. I never What's... did that. <laughs> <laughs> Me yeah. neither. I don't... <laughs> yeah, my mom might listen. I'll be in trouble. <laughs> I've confessed at this point, you know. Uh, no, but it's, it's, you know, it's the same thing now with phones as well as even if your child doesn't have a phone, they're, you know, they're going to a friend's house or they're at school and they're grabbing a friend's phone and they're creating a profile on a friend's phone. And that's where, um, Bark starts to become a really helpful tool in that it's, we do some account level monitoring. But I think, um, I think more than anything, what I hope that parents can really think through is the fact that the internet, um, it's all really new for, all of us and yeah right and we there's no manual nobody taught us how to do online life and so even for adults some adults are struggling with online life and then you know you enter a child who's learning how to make decisions they're learning how to have 
human conversations. And it, like you said, it's the wild, wild west. It's a whole nother ball game. And the people who are supposed to be creating those regulations are, you know, there's 600 plus politicians whose average age is probably, what, 65 years old at this point. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I'm certain they don't have a real good grasp on it either at this point. Yeah, honestly, I don't even fault them in that. Um, I grew up semi in in this influx of social media, and even I was shocked by um, by what people are capable of. I mean, even just the idea of human trafficking, and we all think, oh, like a, a, a child that's being trafficked. Well, the reality is these these people are using online platforms to traffic children without them ever leaving your home. So, you know, they're, they're soliciting pictures from children um, and essentially being trafficked without, you know, they, that happens at night, they get up and they go to school the next day. And I think that's, that's the element of this that a lot of us have not even begun to really comprehend and think through is that this is way further reaching than just, um, oh, they might have a tough conversation online. This is this is something very serious that deserves a lot more attention than it's getting. Absolutely, you know, and you know, everybody thinks Snapchat it disappears immediately, right? That well, that, yes, that's that, a, it's it's shocking to kids when I say, oh, you know, that lives on. That, <laughs> it doesn't just disappear, and that's the truth because. Yep. You know, that family member I was talking about who deals in that sort of stuff, I had a, one of my sons had an issue going on with, with some people in his life and Snapchat happened and I personally happened to have a little connection and I made a phone call and said, hey, tell me how to get this. And they did and I did and I said, yeah, look at that. Snapchat doesn't delete everything just like they say they do. You know, it, it's amazing though because the thing is, is that my, my middle schoolers have talked about, you know, kids a lot of uh, incidents of girls getting in trouble or guys getting in trouble for sending nudes to other kids in school. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't even know if they're going to figure out where to come out with this at the end of the day when it comes to the regulations, but that's still child porn. It is. That's right. And if a child sends it or a child receives it, it's still child porn. And your 12-year-old can end up in trouble for something somebody sent him. Yeah. And that's kind of terrifying it is it's really scary because it's not just about um i think the thing i the common theme that i've seen is parents are thinking primarily about what's my kid doing yes and not necessarily always extending it to what are they receiving it's not just about the choices that your child is making it's about the choices that all of the other young people around them are making and what they're being exposed to. Um, and then having to navigate that at such a young age, if something like that comes in, you know, that's, it's overwhelming. Oh yeah. Especially if you have, you know, a young boy or a young girl who doesn't feel comfortable having that conversation with a parent. Yeah. You know, and I think that's an important piece is having those conversations with your kids when they're, you know, when they're young before they're, before they're they're set into that place, and and it's a difficult conversation to have with a twelve year old girl, right, or an eleven year old sure. girl. But it's it's a real piece of it, and we all need to to be willing to have that conversation just as a starter. Yeah. Well, yeah, and especially if the child has um, hopefully never been exposed to something like that, because I think it can do a lot to get rid of the guilt and shame associated with if something does come in that the child doesn't feel ashamed to um, to share with their guardian or parent or whomever is their caregiver that they have seen something that was shocking. And I, I think that's the other reason to have that conversation is to make sure that they know, hey, it's not always your fault if somebody sends you something inappropriate. Just like you said, somebody sent you something completely unsolicited. So making sure that, that our kids understand um, it's it's basically dispelling the guilt and the shame around if somebody does try to approach you, I'm here for you to help you navigate um, how to protect yourself, how to get rid of this content. Yeah. Well, the shame is a, is a real powerful motivator too. I see that 
Anytime shame is involved, shame tends to drive behavior underground. That's right. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, once you've driven that shame underground, you can't, I'm not going to say you can't fix that, but it takes a lot more work to get it to where you can have that honest conversation with your kids. Yeah. You know, now, like I said, we do foster care. And so for all the people who are, who have a foster kid in their house, we have kids who, uh, I forget the numbers exactly. And whatever the numbers are, you know, the numbers are just what's reported. It's a high percentage of kids who've been abused in some way or another who come into care. It's it's just it's it's a high abuse category, and it puts them more at risk. Well, they're extra vulnerable. They're looking for someone. They're looking for someone to care for them, to show them some love, some support, you know, a little bit of kindness, some attention that they weren't receiving at home. They're looking for that and. Anybody can take advantage of that. Yeah, I think it's it's a very real um, it's a very real possibility when a child is is wanting that um, affirmation, and especially because a lot of times they're they're not just wanting it from a peer; they're looking for it from an adult, and right. Some, and that can put them in yeah. an even more vulnerable position. It's it's just it's very scary, and you know our children are out there. They're they're looking for something, and there's unfortunately some pretty pretty rotten people in the world, and they'll exploit that. And yeah. you know it's really scary. It's scary for parents nowadays to think of just all the things that can and will happen. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, your guys' video is very very powerful. You know, I've shown it to several moms um, and just have talked with them. And I'm like, you guys need to check this out. You know, and they're like, we hadn't really even thought of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking through some of the information that that, that Mark had put out. And part of what blew my mind was the number of potential school shootings they have intercepted. Yes. And I forget what the exact number was. I have it. Sixteen. Sixteen. Was it sixteen? Okay, I say mm-hmm. I have it written down here somewhere. But mm-hmm. sixteen potential school shootings. I mean, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it, it's why um, in in the wake of um, one of them, you know, our CEO made the decision to offer Bark for Schools for free to any school that wants to use um, our monitoring and filtering. Uh, technology because we're so passionate about um, about helping keep children safe online, and there are a lot of dimensions to helping keep children safe online. Absolutely, you know we're we're in the Midwest, we're out here in Missouri, and guns are not a thing that's frightened. You know, people are frightened of here, right? It's uh, the kind of the common theme around here is that guns are just a tool, and it's an okay thing to own one. You know, I was in the military; my sure. dad was a police officer. I've been around guns my whole life, and to date, I haven't had one of them misbehave yet. And so I do own a couple guns. I do also have them under lock and key for good reason, because I have a house full of kids, but not everyone does. And there's a lot of access, and all it takes is a kid who who is mad at somebody for something they said, somebody who has had enough of that guilt and shame placed on them in a bullying situation, somebody who's, you know who feels like they got cheated on a drug deal that they made at school because my, you know, and, and that sounds kind of weird to say because I didn't grow up in that world. Right. But my 19 year old son has told me stories about when he was in like high school, there was one particular water fountain where you would, you know, where you would leave the money and the pills in, in the right spot. And that was, that was where it was sold. And we're in, we're in a rural town in Missouri. You know, St. Louis is an hour from us, and and I don't know how much you know about our geography, but you get to the end of the St. Louis city limits, and then there's one suburb, and then nothing. <laughs> and that's where we're at. <laughs> we're in the nothing. <clears throat> yeah. And it's out here. You know, the yeah. drug trade in a school, in a high school, is alive and active out here. And all it takes is one kid to, you know, be mad about something to do with that, and you end up, I mean... How many people do you know? Well, I don't know about your life personally. With our life, you know, Amanda and I, neither one grew up with um, 
with what you would call lives that, that didn't involve some sort of access to tragedy, right? And I'm I, a guy I graduated high school with, like a few months after we graduated, they found him shot execution style in his head in downtown St. Louis over a drug deal gone bad. And, well, if I'm going to be honest, I graduated high school <laughs> 25 years ago. Holy cow. Yeah, it's been 25 years. <laughs> You're old. Goes fast. Yes, it does. <laughs> but that was 25 years ago. Right. You know, and it's done nothing but increase since then. You know, and, you know, to, to take it away from just the, the gun side of it, the drug trade in a high school, in a middle school, you know, how many kids are, are trading Adderalls? How many kids are trading different medications that they, they you know, for money or, or whatever they, they can get access to? That's That's a big thing. And being able to have something that can help you see your kids messing with that sort of thing talking about that, whether it's on their social media, whether it's on their text, whether it's anywhere on there. That's one of the things that blew me away about Bark is that, I mean, I forget the number of platforms that they service, but it's quite a few platforms that they're able to look at. It is. We're up over 30 now. Really? Okay. I think the last one I saw was like 27. So, yeah. Yeah, we just added a couple. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we have an incredible team and they're, you know, they are working around the clock to make sure that we stay up to date on, because as you all know, apps are being added constantly. Yes. Um, but our, I mean, our biggest hope is that we would help, um, help parents detect really early on if there's any kind of sign of involvement, not just with drugs and alcohol, but, um, you know, cyberbullying can lead to uh, a much more serious issue and especially if it's repetitive. And so those are, you know, that, that's one of the reasons that we alert in those categories is because oftentimes you can have early detection of a potential issue um, by catching the cyberbullying or in the case of predation, um, there are predatory conversations that happen early on that if you can intercept at that early stage, um, then there's a, a lot higher likelihood that your child will not experience that abuse online or um, have the cyberbullying escalate to a potential life-threatening situation for them or for others. Absolutely, you know, and and one of the one of the things that I do have to, and, and just as a side note for all the listeners, you know, I invited Becca to come on here and talk to us because I think this is important. And Mark is not paying me anything for this, you know, but <laughs> <That's> <laughs> because I, I want it to be, you know, really clear that this is just honest opinion. This is not an infomercial. Um, but one of the things that I was kind of just blown away with is the amount of things that, that you guys are able to catch and just the sheer amount of energy that goes into it. Because between producing that that uh, documentary with Rue that, that catches everybody's attention but just the fact that there are so many platforms. I looked through some of them yes. online today that they that they, they monitor over there. And I went, huh, I don't know about some of these. And I'm pretty good <laughs> yeah. with them. You know, like Musical.ly. There's a lot. When Musical.ly first came out, yeah, I had an account. I never used it. I never, you know, other than just <laughs> to look and see if my kids had an account set up on somebody else's phone that I could find on there. You know, I do have a Snapchat account. I don't know that I would be able to find my kids on Snapchat unless I knew their tag. Or their right. their handle, but but you know I I still go through and every time I see a new platform popping up or hear some, about something, I will go in and check it out and just see if I can kind of look around. But I'm a pretty involved parent when it comes to that. No, but I mean we still had a, a kiddo who made herself an account. Yeah, you know from someone else's phone. Yeah, well that's one of the things I love. Um, you know, and again, I know I'm biased because I work for Bark. However. <laughs> Um, you know, I've worked with, um, in, in a previous career, I worked in children's mental health. And so this is something that has been deeply personal for me all along. Um, and just, I'm very passionate about, but one of the, one of the elements of Bark that I love is, um, that we do have account level monitoring for email accounts. And the reason that that's significant is because, um, you know, when children or young adults, um, are creating a social media account, they often have to do that via a Gmail account and what, or whether it's Gmail, Yahoo, um, 
or their iCloud account there. And so they get that account creation email. And so it can give parents a heads up if, um, if their child is creating additional accounts or Finstas or, um, you know, let's just say they decide the Snapchat has been discovered. My parent knows about it. I'm going to add this one. Um, then at least the parent can get a little bit of a heads up that new accounts are being created that that child is, um, is potentially going to be active on. Yeah, that's amazing because I will say, because I'm pretty certain my daughter actually listens to the podcast every now and then. So I'm not going to tell you exactly how I found out. I don't know if she knows or not, but (laughs) in less than an hour of her creating that account, I found out what it was. I logged in. I got the password figured out. I changed that email address. I changed the, the, the ownership on it. Yeah, I, I completely took over the account. And I'd love to say that's just my amazing computer hacking skills, but that's not <laughs> what it was. I had the right information. And, and that's But right. not every parent has that. And, and if I hadn't gotten the right piece of information, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. The, the right information is crucial in, in being able to be engaged and aware of what your child is experiencing online. Absolutely. And and Snapchat is the one that blows my mind with just how dangerous that one is. And that's the one yeah. she'd set up. You know, wow. I'm I'm a lot less terrified of things like Instagram because it's a bit more transparent and open. But to some degree, yeah. Yeah. But but Snapchat is Snapchat from what I understand was originally produced as a different app that was called I believe the original name was supposed to be Peekaboo. Yes. Is that right? Okay. And it was designed as a porn sharing app, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that is what I have also come to understand from reading about the history of that company is that was the original intent for college students. Yeah. And so now we have the same app under a different name. I don't know. It's just a way to connect. But it right. also works real great as a way to share all kinds of things, including inappropriate stuff with kids and make it really difficult for parents to see. And when parents can't see what's going on very easily, a lot of parents check out. You know, not every dad knows what it's like to work 55 or 65 hours. I do. And it sucks. And it makes life tired sometimes. And you don't have the energy to maybe go do it. But if you don't go do it, if you don't take the time to search out what's going on with your kids, if you don't take the time to build that relationship and have that connection, it's really yeah. difficult to protect your kids online. That's true. And I think, um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations around what's the right amount of protection. And I think that what I often come back to is if you don't have enough information to even start the conversation, then um, that's a good starting place. Because if you don't know, um, you know, the same way that you would probably ask your children um, if they wanted to go to a friend's house or they wanted to go to an event. Right. Like you, you would probably want to know where they're going. And it's the same online. If you just think of it as these are online events that your children are attending, even if they're just for a second. And when you frame it up in that way, I think it becomes a lot easier to think about, um, what it could look like to have those conversations and to be engaged in understanding, um, where your child is participating, where they're living out some of their events in life, if you will. And that's a great way to put it because an event is uh, something that you go to with a lot of other people. Right. And you don't always know who's there. That's and right. That's exactly what you're getting into online. Um, you know, and the other, the, one of the other things that just thinking about it from, from my kid's point of view that I do like is that Mark does not does not share every bit of a kid's internet activity with the parents. We do not. And the ability to to still allow them some level of privacy, as long as it's not a privacy that puts them in in imminent danger. I think that's a really key piece to it. Yeah. Because there are a lot of parents even who understand that, hey, my kids need some privacy. I I don't need to check on them 24-7. I don't need to take the door off their bedroom so I can see what they're doing all day, every day, right? Right. But... But I do need to know when when they're trying to, you know, light up a bong. So maybe I should have, you know, some piece of 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 security technology, if I can, to keep me in that middle somewhere. And um, you know, how how does Bark decide what they send to people or send to parents 
as as opposed to what they just let go by? Um, that's a great question. So it has always been our intention, our goal to inspire conversations and not to provide the entire uh, portion of the conversation because the goal is not, aha, I got you. The goal is this is a place where your child is hanging out and uh, they potentially need some guidance, some encouragement, um, some boundaries as they grow and, and those change over time. And it's really hard to create those those boundaries if you don't have any idea um, what they're doing online. But um, the way that we do that is uh, we have an, an algorithm that um, detects, and it's a little different for an Apple device versus an Android device. But essentially, once that uh, contents of the phone is um, is scanned by the algorithm, it can uh, take what we call a snippet, which is just a, a portion of the conversation that has triggered an alert and there are mild to severe. So for instance, what you would want to trigger for um, a 10 year old would probably not be exactly the same as what your settings would be for a 17 year old. Um, So we do have, you have the option in bark to adjust your settings so that you're not necessarily for your 17 year old, you may decide you don't want to get profanity alerts unless it's severe. Um, that makes sense. Just as an example. Yeah. And so that's how we, so the algorithm then serves up, um, our systems serve up a snippet of that conversation, um, just so that you have some awareness as to what's going on, what platform it happened on, and, um, and when appropriate that, uh, uh, the person that the conversation has happened with. And then we also, there's a lot of other pieces where, you know, we'll highlight in the dashboard, um, their most frequent contacts, kind of like a highlight list. And we have a sentiment dashboard where you can get just a, a visual picture of a negative, positive, uh, how's your child doing? And what are, what are the um, overall sentiments of their online conversations each week? Um, so there's a lot of different elements to that, but that's how we serve it up. That's awesome. You know, <clears throat> I I know uh, Larry from the Dead Edge. Uh, I'm sorry, the the Dead Edge Alliance podcast. I think it's what he. It used to be the Good Dad Project, and now I have a hard time remembering what he renamed <laughs> the podcast to all the time. Both great names. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Good Dad Project I thought was the best because that's how I found him originally. But he told a story about how he uses Bark with his son, and mm-hmm. his um he had a, an alert come in that's that he he was like, "What's this?" And he looked at it, and it was a text conversation between his son and his brother-in-law. He thought, what is this? And he looks at it, and, and his son was being goofy. He's just a, a jokester and was saying something about, you know, his, I think his uncle works at, a, at some particular store where they can get specialty batteries or something maybe. And he said, you know, hey, do you have any any stronger batteries so we can get this dog to quit barking? And his, his brother-in-law had replied, dude, I can't do that. Your dad would kill you for that. You know, and that was enough to set off a trigger. Go, hey, let's let's look. And that's all he saw was that much. And it was enough for him to look at and go, okay, that's not important. I don't need to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other side, that the sentiment idea is great because mental health is something that, you know, I grew up in the era where mental health was, was just how well you hit it. You know, that, that was the definition, you know. My my parents, yeah. you know, my, my mom went to uh, talked about maybe going to a therapist at one point or a counselor when she was going through some stuff. And my dad was like, I don't need to go talk to nobody, you know. And don't get me wrong. My dad was a great guy. Sure. I had a great relationship with him. But my dad was from that era. He did not believe that you need to go talk to anybody about anything. And yeah. I'll be real honest. After, you know, my wife and I lost our daughters, you know, four years ago. Like, we've got a guy we go see on a regular basis. Once a month, we go see Dr. Tom because he has helped us with so many things and helped us walk through some of the struggles that we, we've we've kind of had to, to figure out how to, how to navigate because, I mean, all the things that are supposed to end a marriage, losing a child is definitely one of them. Yeah. And the fact that we're still together four and a half years later and stronger than we were before is a testament to having strong people in our life who've helped us push that in the right direction. And so that mental health piece is really super important in my opinion. And so we, we look at that and we don't always want to think about the mental health of our children. That's right. maybe a little bit of a taboo subject. Yep. 
But the truth is, is our kids need some help with mental with mental health a lot of times as well. They're exposed to a lot more, you know, and as foster parents, I have kids who have literally watched their father murdered and a drug deal sort of thing gone bad. Like my one son could tell you the story about watching his dad shot from just a few feet away from him and being covered in dad's blood. Now, do you think we need to pay attention to his mental health as he grows, especially as he comes to the teen years? Because that happened at three. And that was a significant thing to him. You know, we've had lots of kids come through with... Holy cow. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but we've had lots of kids come through our house with lots of significant mental health issues because of the places they've been, because of the things they've been exposed to. And that's something that, that we really need to pay attention to. And we have gone to therapists. We have taken kids back who've been out for a while and go, hey, it's time to go back for a little while and just... Let's just do a quick checkup with this stuff. Let's see how you're doing. And I love the fact that they offer something to allow us to kind of see how our kid is doing in in their world. Yeah. Because most of us, when it comes to mental health, are really good at putting on a face. That's right. Yeah. You know, and how are you doing today? Fine. Right. Doing good. I'm good. Yeah. And the truth is, is I, I can't tell you how many times I said that when the real story was, hey, a week and a half ago, I buried my daughter. And instead, I said, fine. Doing all right. And how many times do our kids have that same thing going on with us? Well, and how often do we model that for our children? That's true, too. You know? <laughs> but having that ability to see the kids online, you know, who they are online, if, if, they're, um, if they're in that... If they're in a space where they're responding to people in a way that you can see that there's some mental health issues, that's important to be able to know. Right. You know, again, well, another personal story, Our one of our sons had some issues where he was going through some real mental struggles. And he had gotten on, I think it had to have been on our computer. I don't think at the time we even had you, uh, YouTube on cell phones. I think he'd gotten on my computer and had put a comment on a video somewhere and had made some comments about, you know, some suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. And somebody responded to the comment. And if they had not, I would not have got the, the email back. And, hey, somebody responded yeah. to your comment. And I clicked on him. like, what comment? And I looked at him and, holy crap, what is this? Wow. But he had hidden it so well from us leading up to that that we had no idea where he was at. Uh, he, he had a plan. And we had no clue that we were we're anywhere close to that. And we knew we were dealing with some teenage stuff and, and things like that. We had wow. no idea the seriousness of it. I mean, our son had a plan. Wow. And that's terrifying as a parent. Yeah. But at the same time, like Jason said, had we have not received that message, our son might not be here today. Yeah. But for some sheer luck of a stranger who replied, we got an alert. And we were able to help him. Yeah, and I don't know what year Bart came out, but I'm certain this was long before that. Uh, we're talking, well, good long while ago. Yeah. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> Again, because you're old, not me. Yeah, we're starting to think <laughs> about how old uh, we are because of, of when that happened. But, but you know, this the sentiment part of the dashboard sounds like an amazing place to keep an eye on that. Because teenage years, man, they're tough. They really are. And... I mean, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but even as an adult, you get on a social media platform and even if you're just scrolling, you know, there are moments where I've stopped and thought, gosh, why do I feel so ugh? like I just don't feel great after five or 10 minutes of scrolling through and I realize, oh, it's comparison or it's you know, like, uh, well, often it was just comparison and it's, and, and so like I've made, you know, as an adult, I'm aware of that and I, I check it and I make a decision to put it away. And, but I think as like, as children, they're inundated with different forms of that experience and aren't necessarily regulating the input of that information. And so then you, you know, all of a sudden you do, you get to this situation where um, they're not in a good place and they're having these conversations that are reflecting, um, 
you know, whether it's like a, a hopelessness or um, they're starting to um, exhibit some signs of self-harm or depression. And I, I can honestly say it's one of the greatest honors of working for Bark is being a part of a team that uh, supports software that is um, able to alert parents early to signs of depression and self-harm or suicidal ideation. And, um, you know, that we take that so seriously and that, um, it's just a lot of parents when that does happen, just like you guys said, is it's, it's out of, it is seemingly out of left field. Like it's, it's, you, you never wake up thinking this is the day that my kid's going to have a plan. And, um, and it's heavy, but it's important to talk about because our children's mental health is, is incredibly important and it is very fragile as they're growing in that, you know, what they're exposed to day in and day out, it, it does impact them. And so, yeah, so being aware of, you know, where, where are they on the spectrum of, are they having mostly good days or mostly bad days, good and bad, you know, mostly hard days or, or mostly, enjoying their days. And, um, it's just, it's, I can't emphasize enough, uh, how important it is to be in the know, to be aware of, of how your child is doing in that area. Absolutely. And when you're dealing with the foster care system, you know, you have kids who are in care for a reason, right? These right. kids have, have had some sort of bad already in their life at a bare minimum. If something was, was just seen and taken terribly wrong and it was a perfectly good household to get pulled out of, and they're going to end up going back in a few days once everything's cleared up. They still got yanked out of their house and shoved into a situation they're not used to. Right. But that's not the most common thing. You know, I mean, let's be honest. If if you know any children's division markers, those those guys have got a lot of work on their plate. And they don't have time to yank kids out for no reason. That's right. And there there's a certain level of preponderance of evidence they have to have in order to be able to do that. So most of these kids have got some some level of serious trauma in their life already. You know, I have one little guy who was born addicted to methamphetamine. I have another little guy who, when we had him tested at one year old, he came, he came back positive for weed, Coke, heroin, meth, and oxys, if I remember right at one. So like these, you know, and, and that's just a couple, a couple quick stories, anecdotal stories, but the level of abuse that occurs out there, that that is available. We talked with a young lady recently who told us at 14 years old, she told us her story of sexual abuse at six years old, yeah. which is a powerful thing. And let me tell you, that terrifies me with just how vulnerable that leaves her to a sexual predator, let alone the thought that she's also going to be, you know, her mental health is, is probably going to need some mending to begin with. And then you add being a teenager on top of that. Yeah, it's a lot. You add middle school and high school on top of that. And, you know, I I don't know if you remember middle school, if your experience was anything like mine, but middle school is not a place I would voluntarily go again. Yeah, I can't say I'd go back, to be honest. <laughs> I only go back to middle school for one reason, and that's the basketball games my kid plays in. <laughs> or football in the fall, you know. I go back for sporting events, but to go back to my own Middle school years? No. no. That was tough. It was. It was. And I can't imagine doing that in the age of social media, in the age with all these extra pressures around you, and add on top of that a kid who's had some significant trauma at a younger place in life, so that you, you're you just, the odds are stacked against you. Yeah. And I don't know a better way to be able to keep some some control over, or at least some being informed about where their mental health status is at this moment, you know? And so I think with what they've done there, that, that sounds to be like something that could be an awesome way to, to be able to, to just have a, a hand in there and go, Hey, if everything's going cool, I'm glad. Good. Keep it up. But if there's a problem as a parent, I need to be able to step in as a foster parent. Yeah. Well, especially as a foster parent, because we're still trying to, or the foster parent that, you know, we may be speaking about, they're trying to build that trust with this child. They don't have right. the years of building that bond, that relationship. 
you know, why does that kid need to trust that foster parent? They just left everything that they know. They're handed to complete strangers. You know, why would I trust you? So there's not even that years of bonding. There's not those years of talks of sitting down and and talking about personal space and expectations and, you know, your body and, and all of that. There's not that relationship typically between a foster parent and their teen, especially to begin with. That takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, it's why we have, you know, I I think obviously there are unique challenges when you're in, when you're bringing a child into your home uh, to foster um, in that, in that initial spot. I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys, but I uh, was trained as a foster parent. And so I've worked with children in, um, in the foster system pretty closely. And wow. Yeah. No, I I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's wild. Um, but, uh, you know, there's unique challenges and we have, um, created a resource at Bark of, you know, how do you talk about Bark with your child? Because the, again, I I think, um, and to the kids that listen to this and I've, I've actually gotten the privilege of sitting down with some young people to talk about Bark and initially they hate it, right? Like they're like, get out of my space. I don't want you seeing what I'm doing. And, um, although this might even be a more challenging conversation in, in a foster home situation, um, because there's that testing and the getting to know each other period. But, um, when you can frame up with a young person, um, there was one in particular, uh, young person that I spoke with. And when I was sharing, like, it's not to catch you. It's because, there are other people out there that um, maybe are not going to react appropriately to you. And I want, you know, I, if I was your parent, want the opportunity to be a support for you in that moment and what you're going through. And um, that young person actually said, well, I actually could have used that when I was um, playing this particular video game. Um, And now, you know, we're working on that. That's, uh, but that's, video games are a little harder to get into, but, um, but where he had experienced cyberbullying, and, you know, so, so one of the things that we do try to help, uh, caregivers, uh, with is that conversation initially about what is the purpose of using something like BART? It's not, I got you. It's not, um, I'm going to bring the hammer down. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, uh, and it's not cause I, I want to sit around and read all your text messages, which I can't do anyway with Bark, but it's, you know, <laughs> I love how they think we're like, this is fun for me. <laughs> yeah. know, like, this is not fun. <laughs> yeah. I really don't care what Becky said at lunch most yeah, of the time. Yeah. I don't care. Um, but when you can, when you can sit down and frame up the conversation with, I want this to be a resource for us both um, because you are going to experience things online and in real life that are hard. We all will. And I want to be there for you in that moment. And um, sometimes it can be hard to bring it up. This is a tool we're going to use together to help bring up those conversations. And I love that because one of the things I've learned is with kids when they're little, control works really well with a two-year-old. Sure. Don't climb on the table. Get off, right. don't stand on the couch. No, don't climb on top of the TV. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> these are conversations we've had. Um, quit trying to flip that chair over while you're on it, you know. And we actually had a our now 19-year-old spent a couple of years of his life with no front teeth because he didn't listen and he knocked his front teeth out, right? <laughs> <laughs> but control works really good at that age for the most part. And, and sure. as they get older, though, you're you're living on a continuum there. As they get older, you lose control. And you gain influence if you're wise. And that influence, I think, could really be used in that place where you're where you're offering support. I love that language. Is This is a way for me to support you in a hard place. Yeah. Because that is, that's not I'm controlling you. I'm catching you. I'm going to take away your phone now and you're going to be grounded forever. Mm-hmm. You know, that, right. that's... Well, because the goal isn't to control them ultimately long term, right? The goal is to steward this young life as they grow up and teach them how to interact and engage with the world and, and be a responsible steward and, and a responsible citizen. Yeah. And eventually launch an amazing young man or woman out into the world. 
Exactly. That's my, that's my end goal is I want to build amazing men and women to send out to the world to make it a better place. So that long after I'm gone, you know, my influence can still be seen in a, in a positive way, you know, long after I'm dead. And I hope that's the case. And that's what I really want. But a lot of times it does look like, no, you're just trying to, you're trying to get in my business and know everything. And I'm like, hey, you know, let me tell you something, bud. Let me tell you something. So yeah, I know things that you don't know. I've, I've been around a little bit longer, you know, and I've seen the bad stuff out there and I'm, I'm here doing this as a way to keep you from falling into the deep pits. Yep. I want my kids to make some mistakes. I want them to make some mistakes in a safe place where I can help them out so that when they get older, they can see that and they have the wisdom to see that for themselves before they make all the big state mistakes many, many times. So for us, that's a really important thing. Yeah. So, well, I think it's probably about time to let you go. I've been sitting here watching the sunset in your in your big window there. <laughs> it's a nice view, though. It's very beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we have to leave the curtains, and I need, like, sound blocking stuff. I have a busy intersection right behind me. And out here in the middle of Missouri, apparently everybody thinks the coolest thing you can have is a diesel pickup truck with a loud muffler. And nice. I don't know how many of those yeah. you hear go by through this microphone, but I know they come through. I find them oh, in wow. editing. <laughs> I have these big hurricane windows, so it keeps it fairly quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we could keep it quiet with the, the number of, of big trucks that come through here revving their motors. And <laughs> small town America, we got to impress everybody with, with our diesel trucks. Naturally. <laughs> So, but yeah, no, we've, I've been sitting here watching the sunset thing and that's a really cool view. So thank you. Yeah. But no, we really do appreciate you coming on here tonight, Becca, and, and kind of just walking us through kind of what, what, uh, what bark offers to parents, because I think it's an invaluable resource and I forget the exact price. I think it's somewhere, somewhere around $9 a month. Which, we are $9 a month. We are getting ready to launch some, uh, a screen time and filtering feature in addition to all that bark already does so yeah so this is good timing in that if they uh lock in their nine dollar rate before april then they will be grandfathered into that at the nine dollar rate and then in april we're going to be going up to 14 um, to include all of those extra great features yeah that's amazing because i'll be honest with you that's that's worth every penny of it if you can catch if you can catch something before it becomes child predation, mm-hmm. before somebody's trying to get your kid to meet them because they think it's their friend on Snapchat and they want them to sneak out and meet them down the street at the gas station in town, and then you find they find out when they get there that it's a guy in a in a black van, and it's not really your friend that they they made it look like they were. I mean yeah. it, that that's huge. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know how many of those those incidences have actually happened. I don't know how well that's actually been tracked, but I know that the sexual predation of young kids is is big. It's yeah. it's a scary world. The thing is, is once it happens, you can't take that back. Right. Yeah. You know, all, all the people that say, I wish I could have, I wish I did, I wish I would have. Well, here's an opportunity to do something. Yes. Yeah, here's a wonderful opportunity to to step into the place of doing something to protect your kids for what's a relatively small fee. I know maybe for everybody in the world, nine or fourteen dollars a month may not be a small fee, but for most of us, it really is. You know, I mean, it's your Starbucks coffee one day a month. Yeah, for crying out loud, it's (laughs) it's a Starbucks coffee. What two coffees probably cover? I don't know. I don't buy Starbucks coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either, but a lot of people do. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't particularly care for their coffee, but you know that's all beside the point. I, I'm, I'm picky on what I like, but you know people will pay crazy amounts of money for the silliest of things, and this is a place where you can protect your kids. And I think that's, right. that's so important. To I mean, if you want, if you really want to tell me what's important to you, you don't. All you have to do is hand me your calendar and your checkbook, and I'll see what's important. I'll see where you put your time and money. And spending a few minutes to check a couple alerts and spending a couple dollars to protect your children, you know, even even if they choose something other than Bark. Although I don't know of any other service like Bark. I'm certain there's there's probably got to be somebody out there who's trying to spin off of it. Um, but but I've not heard any other service come as highly recommended from the number of people that I've, I've heard it recommended from. 
Um, that's what yeah. Mark has been, you know. So you guys, you guys have made an impact in in my world just to go, hey, this this makes a lot of sense. And I assure you that once I break down and finally buy that phone for my kids, um, <laughs> it's going to come with that pre-installed. And if you figure out how to do Xbox as well. That would be wonderful. We'll let you know. Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Because there's some people say some mighty mean things when you're playing on the Xbox. They certainly do. Yes, that's that's another scary place. It's not quite as scary as the as the dark web, but it's that can be a pretty scary place. My son, my older son, he's down at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I was talking to him today, and he said somebody had messaged him on on a game that they hey we want to trade you know do you want to trade wheels or something on on the video game it was a a minor thing, but. While he's, you know, he said, yeah, let's do that. And, and he's in, I think, a party is what they called it. I'm not a, an Xbox guy. So <laughs> forgive me for my lack of terminology correctness here. But, you know, he goes into this little chat room deal with the kid. And they're talking on, uh-huh. on the microphones. And, and the kid's telling him he's 13 years old. And he's in this town. And he's in this. And, like, like he's telling him. And he's like, you know, my son's a good kid. But he's like, you know, hey, I appreciate the trade and all. But, dude, don't tell people stuff like this. You don't know who you're talking right. to. Right. You know, it gets like, well, what do you mean? Why is that? That's, and I'm like, exactly. Right. It's a scary just place. Don't think about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes all the way back to, and I don't think you look old enough to remember the days of AOL and, and ASL. I do remember AOL. <laughs> <laughs> well, looks that, can be deceiving. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember all the way, and and that was a thing back then, right? Like. It was, yeah. Age, sex, location. Yep. That's yep. what I was looking. I saw one of those lists of like all the things you should know about the, the codes your kids use. And I saw that when I laughed. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Who doesn't, who, what parent doesn't remember that from AOL back in like 1990 something when it first came out? AIM group chats. <laughs> That's it. Well, back in the original days of AOL, it was just AOL had like pages and pages of chat rooms you could jump in. Yeah, and it, it, that's where I remember it from. But again, I'm old. I think we've covered that already, haven't we? A few times. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, well, what? we do actually have a recommendation too, though. On that, just I don't. That made me think of our. Um, we have a couple blogs that recommend how to monitor um, based on you know your child's activity, and we have something called Barkomatic, but um, that helps you specifically think about like your child's circumstances but we do also make recommendations on what phone is the best for monitoring okay so that's another resource um just because there are variations in in what each phone will allow that would be great because as a as a dad who's getting ready to get into phones i think in the nearest future they might hear me so i don't want to say anything that sounds like a like a commitment (laughs) (laughs) but you know I know I've heard that some of the Blackberries can be incredibly well monitored just because the government uses them so much um, that they have a lot of monitoring built into them. But I honestly, other than that, I really don't know. Yeah, believe it or not, Android uh, Android devices are uh, probably top for just working easily with monitoring. Okay. Uh, we can monitor both iOS and Android. Um but yeah, we we have a whole list. I can send it to you guys after the call. But well, yeah. uh, that'd be great. You have a list, and that way you can share that with people. Yeah, because go. personally, I'm not an iOS guy. It's completely not intuitive for me. So I don't I don't like the <laughs> Apple products for my personal use. I know a lot of guys, a lot of people love them, and that's great and fine. Yeah. I'm not mad at you, but it it just wasn't wired for my brain. I've always been an Android guy, so you know that that's good to know because you know as we move towards that that place where phones are going to come come back into into our life you know i just got done my 19 year old took over his phone bill when he turned 19 and we're just down to two phone bills it's awesome and it's not gonna last long is it back in you go (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah so to know where to head there to 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 make it the easiest you know easiest way to monitor that stuff that's awesome i'm glad you guys have that absolutely so all right. Well, Becca, you have yourself a good evening, and we really appreciate you coming Thank on and talking about this because so much of this is stuff that parents of our age, you know, and I don't know, are we still considered young parents? No, uh, we're getting know. to be sure. old. We were young yeah. parents at I one point. I, I really don't think 40 is that old. But we do have a 21-year-old. 
Yeah, we do. So at one point we were young parents. I forget that I'm not that (laughs) young guy anymore. And, and, you know, we're just not into, you know, that into current technology and paying attention to it all. So it's great to have some some pieces of that taken care of for me so I don't have to take the time to try and learn and figure out how to hack my kid's account and watch what's going on. And I mean, because I'm that dad. That's a lot of energy. I'm that dad that if I think there's a reason to, I will. And I'll spend a lot of time and energy doing that, but I don't need to. Yes, you will. But, you know, the fact that you guys offer that so I don't have to, that's amazing. Isn't that great? <laughs> Save you a lot of time. More time for date night. <laughs> yeah, now, now we have time for date night again. <laughs> There's a new tagline. Bark has given back the you know, date night, right? <laughs> giving you back your date night. <laughs> I'm for it. <laughs> but oh, no, thank you one. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to hear a little bit of your story and keep up the good work because you're just, um, it's really truly an honor to, to hear what you are doing and have done, um, in the foster care system. So it's just really neat to hear. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely.